Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we welcome back to the program Leo Pusateri, President and CEO of Pusateri Consulting. Leo is recognized as one of the leading experts on defining and pricing your value. And in that role, he has worked with some of the top advisors and some of the biggest institutions on the North American continent. But the occasion of bringing him back is his publication of a new paper, The Game Has Changed, his response to what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic. In it, he lays out 10 principles for making sure that you are reinforcing, in fact, even increasing your value to clients and the kinds of things you need to do to make sure you are taking care of your clients, taking care of your team members, and taking care of yourself. We cover ideas like how and why you need to put your oxygen mask on first, and Leo relates the scary story uh, of a flight he took that uh, resulted in his being able to take home the oxygen mask that drops down from the ceiling in front of you. We talk about how to be sensitive to the needs and worries of our teams. We talk about how to stay close in this era of quarantine. And we talk about things like the importance of innovating and pivoting as you make your way through this unprecedented time. It's a great conversation. I wish we could have covered all of the principles in the program, but we uh, go in depth on some of what Leo considers to be the most important ones. And we provide a link at the end where you can download your copy of The Game Has Changed. So with that, let's get on to our conversation with Leo Pusateri. Leo Pusateri, welcome back to the Becoming Referrable podcast. Good to see you again, my friend. Thank you, Steve. And hi, Julie. It's hey. good to talk to you both again. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Well, we, we really appreciate uh, your including us when you uh, wrote your new paper, The Game Has Changed. And we thought that there was so much good stuff in there for advisors, so much important stuff in what everyone is dealing with now. We, we're, we're really grateful to have you back on to talk a little bit about it. It's a message we really want to uh, get out there. So let's start with what was what before we get into the content of the paper itself. Let's talk about what what motivated you to to write this. What what uh, what caused you to sit down and put pen to paper and and put all these principles uh, down on on paper. Well, just like most people, uh, I was having a lot of sleepless nights, uh, tossing and turning. Uh, endless questions from uh, family members, friends, clients. People ask me, you know, Leo, what are you thinking? What's your mindset? What's your strategy going forward for working through this global pandemic? And, uh, and now, obviously, a public health crisis. And uh, something clicked. I don't know what it was. I, uh, if you've watched the uh, Forrest Gump movie in Tom Hanks, there was a part of the movie, you remember, when he said, I just started running. <laughs> and, you know, I just kept on running. Run, Leo, case, run. I, I, I just started writing. <laughs> and I just kept on writing. And all these concepts just started to flow, flow out of me. It, 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 it just, I just kept on running. I just kept on writing. That's exactly how it happened. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting point, though. I've, I've noticed that when there are certain topics where you're feeling it so deeply, uh, you can be very prolific at the, during this phase. Like I, I find that I've noticed others are producing some really amazing content and it does seem to flow more than ever before. Yeah. My, my pen did not want to stop. 
I probably, <laughs> I probably could have come up with 10 more principles because every, every day, all we are reading about is, you know, how leaders are managing in a crisis mode right now. And I'm continuing to write. And if you could see my office out here in Scottsdale, there's probably eight flip charts around here that I'm looking at and things just reminding me of what I can do every day to get better and you know, more effectively serve clients and things. So that's how it all started, Steve. So as you thought about these things, um, what do you think are the biggest challenges that advisors are facing right now? And I appreciate maybe that would be a different answer last week and next week, but how about today? Well, Julie, I really believe clients are looking for wealth leadership today. Uh, Leadership is the big thing. We're seeing it on the news every day and they need it from their advisory community as well. Uh, if you think back, if we rewind the clock, uh, the markets have driven growth for a long time now. Uh, but the clients need confidence as we speak. It's, and I believe it's a big wake-up call for advisors today to, to further prove and to validate their value, to justify their fees that they are getting paid. This is really important right now. And you know, people are just fundamentally, uh, they're not optimistic right now. And, and the next decade, quite honestly, could be a mess. So there, if you think about the amazing amount of anxiety that's going on right now about the future, it's incredibly deep anxiety for many people, for everybody. And it's not just the advisors, but for the clients. And if you rewind the clock even further, go back 100 years with the Spanish flu uh, and think of the other um, types of pandemics or crisis we faced in our careers in the last number of years, whether it was the mortgage crisis or a tech bubble or a market crash, this is different now. People are dying. In this, and if you think of everything that I'm reading today, the, the words that keep coming up are fear and uncertainty and frightening and excruciating decisions that need to be made. You have to pick between bad options. There's trade-offs. We've got to fight for our clients right now. Um, this is what's really important is, is to find ways. In my cases, I'm telling advisors, you, we got to find another gear um, in, in terms of our day-to-day communications with with our clientele and things. So those are, I believe, some of the biggest challenges that I'm seeing out there. Well, you know, Leo, it's an interesting point. We're going to get into some of the principles that you wrote about, but just based on what you were saying, you know, what, and overall, on a, on a, on a broader basis, how do you see, you know, how do you think wealth management needs to change um, to, to, you know, to, to adapt to this new environment? Well, Steve, if you think about this, um, there's no playbook for this, right? The, this isn't in the advisor's training course, you know, when they started their careers and things. Hey, you're gonna, we're going to run into a situation where your clients are going to come to staggering halts to their businesses. There's going to be family illness. People are going to be dying. This, this wasn't in rookie training type of thing or in getting their advanced continuing education credits on an annual basis. <laughs> think about this. Uh, but, but this isn't rocket science either. This is, I've always used the word with my team that we should always be over communicating, you know, finding out what clients want, but especially in situations right now, as simple as this sounds, just to make these calls. Uh, Steve, you and I were talking in preparation for this podcast and uh, there's an article I wrote years ago where I said, stop selling and start squeezing. And what I meant through the essence of the article was that there's a zipper on a client's chest. We need to unzip that zipper and squeeze their heart more and and keep the products and services in our back pocket. 
our empathy meters right now need to be going through the roof. And, and I've always said the most fundamental of, of communication skill sets, acknowledging, clarifying, confirming, you know, deeper questions that we need to ask. But also as advisors, we better be well prepared to answer the questions of what's the value that I'm receiving from you right now? Uh, what am I getting for these fees? I'm still paying you. My accounts are down 20, 30%, whatever it is, uh, it changing. Why should I stay with you right now, your firm, and, and continue to pay you what I'm paying you? Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, from what I'm seeing, some advisors that we coach, quite honestly, that are proud and plateaued, that just are kind of on easy street, and all of a sudden, this thing hit them like a two by four, some of those advisors should probably be lowering their fees, and some of the superstars and the people who are really on their game probably would earn the right to raise their fees through a time like this because their value is at its greatest amount. Well, my sense is that if, if you have clients that are asking that question now or expressing anything that reflects that question, that that, that should be a signal that they're not doing what they need to be doing. Yeah. You, you should never have to justify that, right? I mean, even if your client starts to think that, it means that you're not on your game enough, right? You're, you're not on your game, Steve but in, in, in Julie, but in the fundamental things, when we ask people to list all the things down the value that you're providing to your client before a pandemic, all right, so has so is, is any of that changed? And, and I use this a series of questions, and it's framed like, did you consider? And, and, and I do this, and it's funny. I'm in a classroom, and I see advisors taking a picture of this PowerPoint. I, I'll see, did you consider, are you helping clients control their emotions? Are you edging educating clients about opportunities and risk? Are you motivating them maybe to make difficult decisions? Are you talking through trade-offs? Are you allowing clients to see the consequences under various scenarios, especially now with a pandemic? Are you visualizing eventualities? Are you spotting the real risk of the possible blow-ups that could hit a family's finances with all the stuff going on right now? Are you helping people to know what they can comfortably spend? Are you taking responsibility that no one else wants to take? Are explaining this situation in a different level. People just don't want to hear that their accounts are down. Uh, this emotional connection, the squeezing of the heart, getting closer to what's going on with their families, their parents, their kids. Uh, this has all changed. They, they've just got to react. These empathy meters got to go up to a whole other level. So the, the, you're, you're making me think we're going to be releasing some new research in the next uh, couple of weeks with our investor research. And we began to go down this path of looking at confidence, which you mentioned, and the fact that we think about helping clients regain confidence during a crisis. And yet you can see in the data the impact of confidence on all aspects of the business, right? I mean, so it, it was ever thus. The, the more confident, and we have a sort of an index that we use, but the more confident uh, the client, the more they, you know, their net promoter, their satisfaction, their referrals, their share of wallet, like all of those outcomes really strongly tied to that. So I think this is teasing out something that we're going to have to take a, a harder look at. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally, Julie. We actually use the terminology of having justified confidence. Oh, that's an, uh, I like it, that. It, yeah. It's another way to look at it. You know, it's one thing in some of our courses and some of our teaching. It's like it's like people throw the word integrity around all the time, right? And yeah. I, I'm I'm looking for provable integrity or justified yeah. confidence, things like this that you could you know put your uh, hand on a table or you know hit a board with something and, and elevate, raise the volume in a different way where people can feel that they're being taken care of. 
Yeah. So I, I believe that would build off of your studies as well, Julie. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a level of confidence that might more accurately be described as delusion. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but look, hey, we want to dig into these principles. I, I have to say <clears throat> that as a business owner, it was like, uh, it was like y you were catching what was in my mind in the middle of the night when I was staring at the ceiling. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, there's 10 of them. Uh, we could go into so much depth. Let me ask you, which do you think of those principles are sort of the, the most important for us to talk about? Because I'd love to start there. Well, it's interesting. You both know my work well. People ask me that when we do our Discovery Your Value or Value Ladder program. There's seven questions. You know, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? You know, they say, Leo, which one of these seven is the most important? I say, well, they're all, they're all important. They're, <laughs> seemly, they're seamlessly connected. But you know, I, I took your question to heart. And I looked through all the 10 things that I wrote. And in the, the three that jump out at me continually, Julie mm -hmm. uh, and Steve, are the first one about putting your oxygen mask on. Yeah. Um, the, the fourth one around staying close. And, and the ninth one about keep challenging your thinking and your teams. Those, those ones stand out to me still quite a bit. And I know yeah. you wanted to ask a question on the, I did. the oxygen mask and I, I can go from there for you. Yeah, please do. Cause I, 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 I think that's a, it's such a critical place to start. So why don't you talk, talk us through that? Well, the, the issue of the oxygen mask, when I tell people, I, I said, you think of the last flight that you were on, right? Um, and there's usually a moment before that flight takes off, right? And that, airplane flight attendant will say something to the effect of ladies and gentlemen can i have your attention please uh and they start doing the demonstration of putting an oxygen mask on and most of the time you're on the phone you're starting up your ipad you're opening up your book you're not paying any attention um and, and the oxygen mask is is why it's because if you don't put yours on quite honestly if you got a kid next to you or your spouse or significant other or whoever might be there, you can't take care of anybody else unless you take care of yourself first. Yeah. So that, that's become a life metaphor for me. Um, and literally, I can show you there's an oxygen mask on the other side of my desk here. I look at it every time I walk into my office. I, I saw it, that picture, Leo. I'm wondering how you got that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I wasn't that's, sure that's if, it, if it was a metaphor or a medical need. I, did, I didn't want to <laughs> ask. It's a, it's a metaphor, but, but there was an actual need once. And once you have to put it on, you'll never forget it. it, it it's bet. interesting, without spending too much podcast time here, on 9-11 of all days. Wow. But in 2014, I'm on a JetBlue flight from Orlando. Wow. Uh, and I'm ready to get home. I'm tired. I delivered a keynote down in Florida. And it's raining, misty out about 7 o'clock at night on this JetBlue flight. And we take off. And I got Al Pacino and Scarface on. My phone's next to me in the emergency row. And this steward, you know, flight attendant goes up front, panic. And all of a sudden, the air mask or the oxygen mask are deployed. Wow. And, and a very frantic person. We lost air compression at 27,000 feet. I'd never had been. I hadn't been on two other emergency landings or flights. This one scared me the most because when, when you have a flight that's descending now, and you have a mask on, you get a whole different life metaphor of what I'm talking about, putting your oxygen mask on. Not this bad. happened to yeah. me, you know, thinking about, do I call my wife and my kids? Looking out yeah. the window, it was a controlled descent. But I'm telling you, putting your mask on um, makes you think about your daily routine. And I have always asked myself, what are my best days? 
you know, Steve or Julie, when you, if I were to call you up and say, what's an ideal day for you? How does it start, right? And it always, for me, putting my oxygen mask on is when I've taken care of myself first. And it's been a mixture of silence and mindfulness and visualization and assessing my priorities, but I've always put Leo first. And so I'm challenging advisors to put themselves first. And it usually is a, some sort of, you know, a workout or reading or writing or calling someone and in practicing what I preach about staying close. I like to call somebody on my top 100 list. Then I'm ready to go. Then I'm ready to attack, you know, my, my serving my clients, checking my emails, seeing what I have to respond to in a business front. But that first 60 to 90 minutes, sometimes a couple hours, when I do that, putting my oxygen mask on, and there should be no substitute during this pandemic, during this crisis right now. And right now we get up and it doesn't it feel like Groundhog's Day. I can think of my, uh, my son-in-law was out in Arizona about a year ago. And I remember his line to me because we were going golfing the next morning. He says, I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning. And I think right now, most advisors, it's Groundhog's Day. It's like, yeah. oh, God, yeah. here we go again. You know, what am I going to do today? It's the same old, same old. And I think that's why you got to put the mask on every day. Well, especially, you know, it, it, when, when at the beginning of this, when the market dropped a lot, and, and if it happens again, you know, that Groundhog Day where you've just got frantic clients and you've got really concerned clients and it's phone call after phone call. It's such, and, and not only should they continue to do it, but, you know, Leo, to your point, if, if they don't, if they haven't had that as a practice, to start that now and, 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 um, and to start, looking out for themselves first thing in the morning. Cause you're right. It, it, it will color every conversation they have through the day after that. But yeah, one of the things that, that you talk about is, you know, once you you've done that, you you're, you've, you've enabled yourself to, to better stay close. And that was one of the other principles you brought up. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. We're in this quarantine state. We can't get out and see people. People can't come to see us. So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by uh, stay close. Well, stay close is just one of my life concepts. Everybody that knows me, uh, knows that I usually end uh, a phone conversation, uh, an email, a text uh, with those two words, stay close. Um, and that just, it's just a, one of my life values that I have imparted to other people. And many people start to throw it back at me, Leo, stay close. And it's just one of those things just to, you know, keep, keep me in your, your thought pattern, keep me in your, on your shelf space. You know, let me know that, uh, let me know what's going on in your life. That's what I mean by the stay close metaphor, uh, Steve. It's it's just never left me. Excellent. And any specific, any more specific suggestions on on what advisors can do to stay close uh, with their clients? But then also, do you mean other things by that, or, or are there other things or other people we should stay close to as we go through this? Well, I think you you, you got to stay close to your teams. That was one of the questions you asked. Oh, me okay, about sure. Yeah. Being sensitive to the needs of your team and staying close with your team because we're working remotely right now right so just you know here are three of us here in toronto new york and scottsdale arizona on this call it's pretty similar to the way a lot of teams are working but in their different homes in their suburbs or communities and wherever they might be so we've always been very committed and disciplined to a you know a regular 10 o'clock uh, governance meeting on a monday morning unless there's a client priority that's taking shape that we've had to be out of the office but I'm just so big on, I said the word earlier in the podcast about over-communicating. It's, it's not just with clients, but it's with your team members. And there's a series of emotional issues that I use in my coaching and training. And there's seven of them. And I see people have challenges. People have circumstances going on in their life right now. 
There are concerns that people have. There are things that are frustrating people. There are things that people need. There are problems that exist and opportunities that are present. And our team members, all these emotional issues. So when you unzip the zipper on a team member's chest as well and squeeze their heart, they've got all these issues going on right now. There's babies crying in the background. There's people working at their dining room tables right now. They're technology challenges, you know, the internet doesn't work in this room in my house. So the over-communication challenge, uh, you know, trying to manage through this new normal, and I'm still trying to figure this out for myself, you know, how can we best serve our clients? What else can we do? And I, I believe there's a lot of advisors, and I want to give a big high five, a virtual high five to those many advisors that I know that are out there that are absolutely, you know, superstars, truly extraordinary individuals that are doing phenomenal things right now, reaching out to their clients. But there's a lot of people, Julie, you know this from your surveys and things that, that were just, some people were just uh, unfortunately proud and plateaued and a little bit too comfortable, I believe. Um, life and business, I believe, became easy for a lot of people and this thing hit them big time. Uh, and, and are they doing enough now you know, from their clients to, uh, so the clients aren't gonna pull the trigger on them right now? And so th these are all some of the things that I've seen out there to the whole staying close. Um, it, it's a met life metaphor and I can't emphasize it any, any more than that. And, you know, you, as you're talking, it's, it's putting me in mind of two of the other principles. So let me know where you'd like to go on this. One is you've been talking about team and I know you talk about challenging yourself and challenging your team. But at the other, the other thing you talk about is being willing to innovate and improvise, which I think is a really kind of interesting thing to talk about these days as, as the world change. <clears throat> but uh, I mean, maybe you can touch on both of those because it feels like you're, you're, you're kind of uh, chatting about both of those things right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, read you something here. One of my best friends, very senior C-suite level leader, uh, well-known global financial service firm, seven-figure earner in his day. I would describe him as sophisticated, intelligent, intense, competitive, a real critical thinker, has high expectations, pays a lot of money to his advisor, and expects a lot of value in return, right? So I, I was asking him some questions, no different than your surveying clients, uh, the both of you. And, and these are his exact words, all right? So for those advisors listening in, here's a client. This isn't this isn't Leo, this is a, a client potentially. And he says, I'm frankly not very high in the entire industry of wealth advisors at this moment in time. They're mostly using very lazy old models and post-event logic to remedy or bring calm to the scenario. Sure, the market someday will rebound, but if all they do is tell you to ride the storm out without better predictors and global understanding, they're worthless. They should be asking some very deep questions of themselves in the industry at this very moment in time. We will experience more moments like this for sure. Disease, climate war, biological warfare, resource shortages, et cetera. That will be ours in the next gener generation reality I'm afraid of, was, was his exact words to me. So it, it's interesting when you, when you look at this, um, these scenarios that are occurring in, in this feedback. So I, I'm saying to innovate, and to improvise, you just need to have meaningful conversations with clients. You need to do the hard work. Uh, I believe advisors need to read more, not just from the US, not just to listen to 
CNN or Fox in the U.S. or whatever the folks are listening to in Canada these days, uh, but to become more global, to be more intellectually curious, have an opinion. Um, you know, what, what do you think? Is This is what a lot of sophisticated folks are looking for, not just relying on the chief economist or the chief investment officers for the firm, or we have a webinar, you might want to tune in, but no, no, no. What, what do you think yourself, becoming more intellectual yourself and bringing in more critical thinking, um, you know, maybe adding more expertise, Julie and Steve, to their practices going forward? How do they elevate their value? Maybe more uh, emphasis on elder care or the health and wealth integration or business transitioning or being less robotic or mechanical in uh, you know, mastering virtual communications and platforms. Maybe you just got to repaint and, 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 and do something to repurpose or refresh yourself. But I believe they have to look in the mirror and ask themselves if they are elevating their game and not just relying on headquarters and other people to be the talking heads for themselves, but to extend their innovativeness and improvisational skills by challenging themselves to up their game at new levels of reading and intellectual curiosity and things that would just make themselves feel differently and more valuable to the people that they serve. You know, there, you covered a lot of stuff in there, Leo. And, and one of the things that I want to pull out uh, because I think it's so important is, is having conversations with clients about more than just stay the course. If, if you're just, you know, I mean, if this lasts any length of time and all you can do is to say, just stick with it, stick with it you know, your, your clients are going to end up losing confidence because, you know, th th that's not guidance, right? That's, and so they're looking, and we hear this from advisory boards all the time, is they're, they're looking for, what are you looking out for? What, what are you, what are you anticipating? What would cause you to take action? You know, what, you know, how, just, you know, know that you're, you're, you're doing more than what you, just like you said, more than just spewing the company line, you know, that you're, that you're actively engaged in something and, and are providing active advice all, all the way through this, even, even just limited to their, to their portfolios. But I, I, but you know, we're, we're, um, we've got a few minutes left and I wanted to make sure that I, I, I asked about this because I think this too is, is a really important principle that you wrote about. And that is that you talk about the uh, importance of serving, not selling. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that and how you see that playing out in these relationships? Yeah, I just believe that you need to be sensitive to people's investment portfolios. Uh, but there's a big but here. Uh, but I believe you need to be even more sensitive today to, you know, people, their families, their kids, their parents, their careers, this thing. Uh, this pandemic is affecting the way everybody's thinking today. I was watching uh, uh, or read an article about uh, Chris Cuomo, who does Cuomo primetime from CNN News. And He's fighting the uh, coronavirus right now in his home, you know, mm -hmm. quarantined in his basement in his home in the New York City vicinity to do this. But what's happening is here's a guy making millions of dollars a year that's going through some renewed life introspection based on this, based on this health crisis and how it's affecting him and not sure that he wants to continue to do what he's continuing, what he's been doing, how he's been making his money. It's forcing him to, to mostly to revisit and squeeze his own heart to, to rethink his own purpose to, you know, the next five to 10 years, uh, um, you know, our own legacies, uh, our own day-to-day -day happiness and things like this. So advisors serving clients have to elevate the game that 
their clients, business owners, many that have been shut down, staggering halts to their businesses. Some are getting by. Some have had a fortune but are worried about their retirement years. They're all, everybody's thinking about this. So their clients to the advisors themselves of revisiting. So that's why when I talk about that empathy meter and squeezing the heart and getting closer to what, you know, how are you really feeling? What, what else is going on? And it's beyond just the, the, the investment sleeve of the wealth management mandate. There are other things relative to the lives they want to lead, how this is affecting those, their life planning, those lifestyles and things, not just for the clients, but for the advisors as well. So serving people, I believe, is just adding greater sensitivity to how is this affecting your, your thinking about the next year to three to five years or, or 10 years? Has this changed your thinking about the things that we put in your plan, about things that you wanted to do or, or not do? I can tell you when that 9-11-2014 flight was going down and I was praying looking out the window, I wasn't thinking about um, it was funny because I've asked people this in a new program we launched out here. And, and I said, the thing that came to my mind was, was there anything that I didn't do that I always wanted to do? Right. It wasn't what, you know, cause I knew I was a good father. I, I'm going to be married for 42 years. And I looked at my life and I said, you know what? I've, I've lived a really great life. I'm proud. I've, I got a you know, wonderful relationship with my wife, my four kids, <clears throat> soon to be five grandchildren later this year. <laughs> I'm touching all the bases and feeling like, you know, uh, there's not, I really don't have many regrets, but it was like, was there anything I always wanted to do, but didn't do? And I believe that type of question through this health crisis is getting people to think about, can I still do what I want to do? And is there anything that maybe I should be doing, could be doing that I need to be pulling the trigger on sooner than later? Well, and I, there, I love all of what you're saying, and and I we're, we're going to make sure people have access to to all this report so that they can see all of the principles. But just as you've been talking, uh, it's it's really reinforcing this need. I think we have to be just start by being honest with ourselves, and that's and that's what I found this uh, this particular report really helpful because it asks some tough questions it kind of causes you to think and and so I'm, I'm hoping advisors can take this and you know find somewhere quiet with a cup of tea in your house where your family is not and <laughs> and really start to think about this and get very intentional it's easy to say of course I serve of course I serve but to, to really tease that apart and think about what it means, um, really great stuff. Um, so we're going to make some of these available, but uh, Leo, you know, where would people learn more about you and the work that you're doing and really just stay in touch with all of these great insights? Well, I would just uh, send them to our website at, at pusatericonsulting.com, P-U-S-A-T-E-R-I. Uh, Google my name, whatever. You'll get into our website to do this. Uh, we're just a quick phone call away. Uh, but I, I just want to end, Julie, with a quick thought here to tell people to put their oxygen mask on where I started with that first principle. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. Be more mindful. Be more curious. Ask deeper questions. This isn't rocket science. Uh, they're important questions to ask. Again, what can you control today? What are your priorities to improve yourself how can you better attend to your families and better serve your clients and be there for your friends? And, and there are seven affirmations. I've been saying these for years. This hit me in 1997 in 
there's elements of these. And if, if you don't have them, the people listening to this, and I can tell you there are seven things in my mind, and it's funny, I've always, I used to keep these to myself. Then when I started sharing them, people would say, what, what was that third one, Leo? And it, it starts with as simple as do good things first. Second, this is your time, right? The third one, I always tell myself just to be Leo, who I am, you know, living my value system in things. Uh, the fourth was to be in the moment. There's a moment right now that we're experiencing. The fifth one is to trust your process, but be open-minded to this innovativeness and improvisation that we need to. Um, there's one here about just having fun, finding fun through this and, and just find, you know, I'm finding ways to still try to laugh and to smile uh, through this. And the last one is just to be and act like the people we always wanted to become. In my case, there are certain things I remind myself of, you know, being a good husband and a dad and a grandfather and a good, a good person, a good friend and someone that, Someday somebody would say that, you know, here's a guy that lived a good life uh, to do this. So I, I would encourage people to write down the things that are important to them. And, to, and the more you start to, to, to live to these core values that you have every day and things that are important to you, I believe things will manifest. Run with the principles. I thank the both of you uh, for your time today and your, um, your support of our work and, and your friendship. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Leo. And thank you for your friendship. And thanks for including us in, uh, in sharing that report when you sent it around. It really, um, it meant a lot to me. I know it meant a lot to Julie. And I know it will mean a lot to all of our listeners. So thanks for, thanks for joining us today. We will make sure that we put a link to your site in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find that paper, um, you can come to the uh, Becoming Referrable website and we'll link you over to Leo's site. And uh, Leo, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, folks. Appreciate it. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.